Hello and welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host Shane Lee. Today on the show, Steve Jack Small, a former New South Wales player and coach and a strong left-hand opening batsman. Playing 90 first-class matches, scoring 5,000 runs and winning three Sheffield Shields and two one-day domestic comps for New South Wales. Post-career, he's been a big driver in past players' welfare at the Baggy Blues and is a passionate rugby league supporter. Hey, Jack. Oh, g'day, Shano. What an introduction. Thanks, mate. Mate, very good. Well, I'll tell you what, this guy here's got some stats. Terry Barbar-Lamb, a former New South Wales Australian rugby league player, playing 350 first-grade matches, scoring... 1,442 points, 164 tries. Wow. Um, for both the Western Suburbs and Canterbury League's football clubs. Uh, he's a three-time premiership player, Dallium medal winner, Rotherham medalist, won Dallium 5-8 of the year three times. Uh, he's named captain of Canterbury's greatest ever team and an inductee in the Rugby League Hall of Fame and the greatest backer-upperer of all time. <laughs> hey, Bubba. Hello, mate. How are you? Now, Graham Hughes made that, that word up. Did he? Yeah, yeah, he did. Backer up, <laughs> backer up, right? Yeah. Well, mate, I don't know if you remember this. Many years ago, I had the pleasure of meeting you. Mate, you were, I loved watching you play when I was a, was a bit younger. And um, I've got a photo at home that sits in my bar. Now, I'm pretty good on the piss. And you're referred to as the greatest backer up, right? And under the photo, I've got a little tag that says, who's the best backer upper? Oh. Yeah. I don't get hangovers. I know. And I found out you could drink piss as well, so you win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to get them Did when, you? I, when I drank vodka. Now I drink beer and yep. vodka, so um, I don't get hangovers anymore. Absolute genius. And Jack, <laughs> mate, uh, you were there in New South Wales cricket when I first started as a, a young, I think I was in the squad when I was 17. I played when I was 18. And I remember going to one of my first training sessions and you scared the shit out of me. We, we, we did a run around Centennial Park, I think it was, and you said to me, I'm an old bloke, and if I fucking beat you, you'll never play again. You remember that? Yeah, there were some big ones out there. Around the, we were sort of brought up by uh, the sheriff, Brian Hollis. Remember yeah, he, the, yep. old, the old trainer for Manly? Yep. He, he uh, used to be big on the Centennial Park run, especially you made sure you earn your earn your calories, so to speak. Yeah. So then we, we earn our beers and we could go back to the Dolphin, mate, and have a couple of beers after training. It was great. Mate, I remember going to Centennial Park as well yep. when I was at Western Suburbs, my first year. Yep. And um, went to training, big session, and John Donnelly beat me home in the, the run. Wow. And I said, and I didn't see him go past me or anything. He took 20 bucks with him and got a cab. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And got a cab and I went, how'd you get past me? Down? And I thought I was pretty fit. <laughs> he, he got me with a taxi. Before Uber as well, is it genius? Yeah, it was too. Hey, um, I was, Jack, I was going to ask you about um, uh, some, some of your, your achievements. Um, but you, you formed a really good relationship with Mark Taylor. Um, and I saw some of those stats here. I don't know how many hundred-run partnerships you two put on. But it was back in the day, I remember the first, before I made the New South Wales side, I think it was a McDonald's Cup, which is like the Mercantile Mutual. It's our one-day domestic competition. And you used to use a really big heavy bat and used to smash the ball everywhere. Do you wish you were around when T20 had started? Or? Well, Shane, they said I was going to be a magic T20 player. Yeah. Everyone keeps saying to me, you know, you'd be yeah. a multi-millionaire and yep. all this sort of yep. stuff. Because I never batted for longer than 20 overs back then, mate. <laughs> so you asked Tubby that. But uh, no, we, we, uh, we, had a good, we had a good relationship, Mark Taylor and I. We sort of hit it off. He was, we, we, hit, we hit together when we were, I think he was 20 and I was 30. And I was sort of a second coming for me, um, you know, because I, I sort of had my chance. Back in the day, I, I, you know, I sort of tried to be a footballer, tried to be a yep. cricketer. And, you know, in the 70s, 
So I went through those years and, and as Barr will tell you, I couldn't tackle. So that was the football wasn't going to last long. So, I don't know anything so. about that. <laughs> no, nothing about it. <laughs> well, I broke my arms. So 350 first grade games. I think you played 415 first class matches overall. It was a lot, a lot of football. Um, what was it like when you first started? Like you played in one of the toughest eras. Yeah, Western Suburbs with yeah. Roy Masters. Uh, actually, I went there to play with Tom Adonikus, yeah, wow. Les Boyd and um, Graham O'Grady. Jesus. Um, got a contract. They left to go to Manly and Newtown and didn't get to play with them. Played against them, but right. didn't get to play with them. And that that would, have been, would have been part of my life, playing with Tommy and, um, and Graham O'Grady. And um, concussion's a big thing now in footy, right? You're yeah. looking at the players saying they're arguing under their sort of collective bargaining agreement. How do we... Um, you got one year after you finish re- retirement to get all your, your medical surgery done. Oh, right. I want to ask you, ha- how's your body? Have you had repercussions? Because not only did you knock a few people out, I think Ellery Hanley fell over a fucking splinter. Yeah, no, no, hundred <laughs> percent he did. And um, uh, and we're sitting here at, in '88, and uh, a mate of ours, Russell Proudfoot, gave me a lift home because yeah. I couldn't. Oh, no, that was '94, so yeah, yeah, so yeah. I've had a few head knocks because I mixed them up then. So um, yeah, no, uh, yeah, I got him. Right on the chin, I got him. But also, you, but you knocked out yourself. Like I think it was with Meninga. I knocked out myself, Dan Mal knocked me yeah, out yeah, then. Yeah, in ninety four. Yeah. Yep. And then that's when Russell Proudfoot took me home. Probably about you know, it would have been ten o'clock or something like that. And you're a proud New South Welshman. Is, is it just me? Did Mal Meninga have a broken arm for about twelve years there? <laughs> he had a plaster cast on his arm. Yeah, he for broke it. Years. He broke it a couple of times. Yeah, he did. Hold on and, your jaw. <laughs> probably one of them. But he did break it a couple of times, one on the post and a couple of other times, yeah, after that. Now, I want to ask you both, because um, the era that you both played in, um, and we are talking about this just off air before, Jack, about um, you know when I started, it was semi-professional, and I always say I put the semi in professional. But, um, and then I sort of played, from 95 on, it was more professional, we got paid a little bit better. But, but the memories of some of the mad teammates that I came into that New South Wales trains room, well, what was it like playing with the likes of... Mike Whitney and Greg Matthews and these boys. Oh, it was wild, mate. It was wild times. It was, it was, it was make sure you get everything right to start with yeah. and, and then uh, you party at the end of it, you know, the celebrations. But I shared the back corner with uh, Roy, with Mike Whitney, which is one of the thrills of my life because yeah. he's, he's a passionate rugby, as you can tell, I'm a, I'm a mad rugby league man, Canterbury man too. Um, and Roy was a South Sydney man, so we really hit it off, you know. He's, he remembers his early days going up. Redfin Oval with his old man. I was at Belmore Oval, and then we end up in the dressing room at the SCG. How good! And and then some of them Shield finals. I played in five of those. Yeah, I think there was about six of us that played in five of them, and we won three. The three we won at the yep. cricket ground. Um, I, I've been lucky enough not to lose a game outright on the SCG. So wow, is that true? That's true. Never Amazing. lost a game, and I played uh, one game on there or two games on there for Tassie. So uh, you right, a bit of a I thought you were strange. Yeah, we're both very lucky to play in an era where we, we did win a lot, which is lucky. But you, there's a lot of players that go through sport and never win anything, right? Yeah, you can still yeah. be a really good player. Look at all the Balmain players. I know Canterbury yeah. uh, with with us. Yep, um, Blocker, Benny, Wayne Pearce, some of the great players of our era, and never won a 
comp. Well, one of the things uh, that was was quite we had a we had a CEO you remember or a secretary in Bob Radford. Yes, and uh, I remember drink. down there and it was in uh, I forget the name of where the cricketers club was where they used to Barrack Street. Barrack Street. Yes. They used to keep the Sheffield Shield in yes. there. And I said to him, I said, mate, I've retired now, ninety two three. I said, is it okay if I take the Sheffield Shield home for a barbecue? And he said. <laughs> uh, no problem, Jack. He said, but make sure you don't bloody well lose it. <laughs> you, Did you take you it know, Yep, went and picked it up in the back of the the, uh, the uh, station wagon, took it home. We all had our photos taken with it around the barbie and all the rest of it. Yeah, now Jack. they've got the armoured guards around. Yeah, I how, think. how big was it, Jack? Very big. Yeah, yeah really? Big. Wow. Massive. It wasn't as heavy as the Winfield Cup you lifted up over your head. But yeah. But I, I think you might have put something else in the back of your ute that day too. There's a there's, there's a bench there that Bradman sat on, I reckon. Yeah, I think, I, I think that, uh, that, Allegedly? that that Allegedly. found that 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 found its way, its way when they were going to. I think they were going to toss it in the tip. Yeah. They were going to they were going to move all that stuff it? out of the out of the uh, yeah yeah the, the legs and that are yeah. pretty wonky. You know, they couldn't sit on it now, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe it should go back there at some stage no in way. one of the no way, keep it the other areas. <laughs> we might just take a quick break now, and we are in Bulldogs Heartland here at Canterbury Bankstown Leagues Club here in Belmore. And the menu looks fantastic. We're in the sports bar. I'm gonna have a steak today, as per usual. Chips. I'm gonna have a little Caesar salad maybe to start with, and of course we're gonna wash it down with a nice O'Brien beer. In life, the most important thing is trust. Without it, everything is a lot harder in a quickly changing and turbulent time. Barclay Pierce Capital is a safe pair of hands, an organisation built on people. They understand you've worked hard to build your nest egg and their asset management business is tailored to suit your needs. Their services help grow your wealth in order to provide long-term safety and security for you and your family. BPC, just a phone call away. If you're ready for your next thoroughbred racing adventure, then join the Osher Group. They exceed expectations on what racehorse ownership should look like. Australia's racing industry is enjoying unprecedented growth. Through a strategic, well-managed and data-driven approach, there is now a very real opportunity to build a profitable and sustainable thoroughbred portfolio. Find the Osher Group online at theoshergroup.com. And, and Terry, um, so, some of the uh, the real tough guys you played with, in, in your opinion, who, who was the toughest and, and, and greatest player you played with? Oh, it's a different tough, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, players went out there to knock people's heads off and things like that. But, um, you know, Jeff Robinson's got to be one of them. He just wow. took the ball up, straight up the middle. And, you know, he's crook at the moment too, Robbo. Is he? Yeah, he's got um, throat cancer. So, uh, But he's one of the toughest. Um, Jason Hetherington, later in my career, came through. Um, yeah, he was is a real country boy, and he spoke like a country person. Is a terrific person, you know. Yeah. Great people, but you know, Peter Kelly was pretty pretty tough as well. Chris Mortimer, for example. Yeah. Chris Mortimer, Andrew Farrar, uh, in the centres, they used to have a competition every week, who could bash their centre against the other centre. Wow. That they the competition. That, that's what it was for. So was there any player you come against in your time that you thought, in your own mind, and they might have a different opinion that he's got my measure at all. It didn't appear that way from looking, watching you play. Oh, I think if you went out like that, you, you'd, yeah, okay. you'd panic a little bit. Yeah. I'd probably put Wally Lewis in that, that category yeah, because greatest, Wally, yeah. Wally was a king, you know. Like, yeah. He was a king because he could fight. It wasn't about being a great footballer. He could fight Wally. So, <laughs> yeah. So 
That's well, that's what I heard. Or other yeah. things. He was a. He could scrap. We could scrap, but he was a um, bit of a player too. I think. Now talk about scrap. So I love this story, Jack. That um, I was just made New South Wales career captain, and I think you took on the coaching role for New South Wales. So you were, you were the coach. I was the captain. I think, and we you were still playing grade cricket. And you're playing for Bankstown, I'm playing for Mossman, and I'm open to bowling against you, the new coach. And I decided to bounce you, and I broke your arm. You called me quite a few things on the field, and then they wheeled you, they took you off. And then four overs later, you've gone off to Bankstown Hospital. You're waiting in the, I think you sent your watch, and you had to go and get uh, a six pack of beers because the wait was going to be so long. I slipped over five, five overs later, did my ankle. And was wheeled into the same emergency room. One of the greatest you, days and, of my life, and Shane. Then, and then you had a big smile on your face and you called your wife and said, the rest world, Shane, better get an extra six-pack. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good story, that one, Shane. Yeah, yeah, it was a little green stick fracture yeah. of the wrist. And uh, I actually spent a bit of time with Barr after that because right. um, Stephen came back and captained the team for the six weeks that I was missing. But uh, thanks for that. But that was a great memory because... Yeah, it was. I think I jumped as high as when Bar scored a couple of his tries when I saw you coming around the corner in the wheelchair. Karma, karma. I said, yes, there is justice. What was it at Bankstown Over, was it? Bankstown yeah, Over, yeah. yeah. Bankstown Hospital. Yes. And, and we uh, sat there for like, oh, it was probably four or five hours we waiting to get looked at by the by the medics. But um, Jeanette said to say that they were refreshments. They weren't. They weren't yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> they were nice cold beers, actually. So thanks, Jeanette, for that one. Hey, um, and I was going to ask you, too, um, we used to go up to Queensland, and prior to Queensland winning Sheffield Shield in 95, the wicket used to be that green. Then we'd go out before the day's play and go, let's have a look at the wicket. Walk out and go, where the fuck's the wicket? <laughs> That's right. Now, and Tubby always says, I spoke to Tubby before this, but Tubby reckons that a few times when he's batting with you during that period when they had Tasler and, and Rackerman and, and McDermott, at least fast bowlers, the ball was halfway down the wicket and he reckons you were screaming already before it hit you. <laughs> <laughs> I knew where it was coming. Yeah. <laughs> when you got to that four or five ice packs lined up in the dressing room before you go out the bat. Yeah. That's a bit of a worry. You know, Dougie Walters just used to leave his cigarette there just in case he was back to finish it. But no, 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 they were tough, they were tough you, days, mate. We were five you, for five. You were a bad bruiser as well. I, yes, yeah. I was a bad bruiser. You know, yeah. And, and I wasn't as, you know, nimble on my feet. And neither was Tubby. <laughs> no. I mean, he used to come in whinging at the Gabba when the old dog track was around it because he says, oh, your mate Billy... He just he bowls you half volleys and he tries to bump me like <laughs> that wasn't the case. He reckons we used to sidle up, you know. They used to go in the dressing room and have a beer, yep. And then they'd come in when we were fielding and all that sort of stuff. Well, McDermott used to make a line for me and we we got on pretty good. So he reckons he used to bowl half volleys on purpose. or that was. Well, you try to hurt, hurt your mates, don't you? <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Hey, and I was looking at uh, doing my research for this, Terry. Um, uh, looked over some old pictures of you. Talking about bruises, there weren't many pictures where you weren't covered in blood or your eye wasn't cut open or like, like. H- how did you wake up next morning? Honestly, like, oh. you just get used to it, or yeah, you it, don't. It's, it's how, how mental is it versus physical? And when you next day you got to back up. Uh, well, I used to work for Big Ben Pies at that stage. Right. I got up at three, four o'clock in the morning and go drive a truck out and Jeez. and um, deliver pies and sausage rolls and cakes and that them days and. That was easy, you know. It's just what you did and look after your family. Do you think that keeps you grounded a bit too? Well, I think the, where you where you get bored up makes yeah. you grounded. And yeah. People you hang around and you go to lunch with Jimmy and Theo over there at the yeah. 
Taipak restaurant with Jack and that. And yeah. Yeah, fantastic days. Then we go across Chazo Pub and have a few extras. Now, big wraps this year on the Canterbury Bulldogs and how they're going to go. They've got, I think they've got a fantastic coach in yep. Camp Seraldo. I think they're going to do well. I think they've recruited well. Um, how do you think they'll go this year and will they finish the top eight? Yeah, I think they'll finish the top eight. And I said right. that um, way earlier than before we got our players. With you did. You said 2022 you said this. Um, Seraldo cares about people. When he talks to you, he... He talks to you, and whatever you say, he cares about what you says, and his conversation's fantastic. He's a beautiful person, really good per- and as tall as Willie Mason. Yeah. Oh, is he? Oh. Well, I, I sat next to him once and uh, when I first met him. He can't be as thick. Well, <laughs> no, I, well, I'm not commenting. I'm not commenting. And I sat next to him and we were talking and everything. Then he stood up, and I asked him to sit back down so I could stand up, and I was the same height as him. Wow. Yeah, he's uh, six foot four. Six five something like that. So. Like he had a promising career himself, didn't he? When he was a yeah, young he did. Fella? He, I think he done his leg at one stage. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but good man. Uh, the players we bought, what Gus, who Gus has bought at this stage with the club. Um, yeah. He's he's right out there, you know, spending some money, and I think. Going no, I think broke. they'll do well. You reckon they'll go well, Jack? Oh, for sure, mate. Yeah. yeah I, <clears throat> I think we're building towards that. If it's not next year, it'll be the year after. You know, with the with the talent that we have got coming, but. Uh, more importantly, they're setting up the pathways again, getting yep. stuck into the juniors. Uh, I think that's you've got to have that base. Big you know? time. Yeah, we're um, you don't you don't buy a team. It looks like we're buying a team. You build a team. Yeah. Not buy one. So yep. that's what we're doing. We're b- building a team. And does Canterbury have a lot of juniors? Yeah, we've got enough juniors. Yeah. yeah. But not as not as big as Penrith. That's nah. huge out there. It's, it's going to be hard to compete against that not, for any other team. Isn't yeah. It? Not many um, clubs have got a big junior thing. Parramatta are quite small at the moment too. Right. They've joined up with Canterbury between the 16s and A grade. So, yeah, not too many clubs have got them. Manly got none. Oh, no. Is Man- Manly? Or Roosters haven't got they're any. Looking after, no. looking they're after they're up the Central down. Coast. With Roosters Mo- got Nick Politis. Yeah, well, there you <laughs> go. That's right. There's, there's, there's a recruitment strategy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sit down here, son. A couple of That's years right. will be right. The, the, the Canterbury boys also, uh, Shano, have... Um, uh, the Ambassadors, which yep. is their past players, alumni, yeah, yeah. basically the Men of League before the Men of League. Okay. And and they do a fantastic job with Phil Young and Gary Hughes, and, and they have the greatest grand final lunch you'll ever have. Yep, thanks to our sports club. And, uh, and, and, and the footy club and the leagues club support them to the hilt, and we're, we're, we're wrapped to be on board with them. Well, hold it there. We're just going to take a quick break. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. The new Elite Bet app has arrived. It's got all the betting features you expect and new ones you're going to love. Elite Bet is your one-stop shop on race day with Hot Bet, where you can back the tips of proven winning punters. Build fast sports multis and play same game multis. The Elite Bet app is the smoothest betting experience around. Trusted for 10 years, Elite Bet is 100% Australian owned. The only betting app you need this summer is Elite Bet. Gamble responsibly. 
If you enjoyed this episode, maybe check out a previous one where I had uh, two NRL players, Mark Hughes and Brett Kamali, and Swannies and AFL legend Jude Bolden. We spoke about all things AFL, rugby league, and life in general. Terry, I want to ask you about um, your time as a coach, and I'm really, I'm really intrigued with this question because you were what I would term a, an instinctive player. Yep. And, and I always wonder, instinctive people, how do you coach that? Did you find yeah, you that, that you can't, can you? No. Did you find that really challenging? Because you, you, you would just be in the right spot at the right time, right? All the time. Yeah, but yeah. How, well, I, I learned to read my players as well. Yeah. Um, you how, know, how, do you, how do you coach that? You can't do you it, can't can you? You can't coach it. No. I, I, went, I went from a, a, a club at Canterbury, the Bulldogs, who built their team and their, their players and all that. And um, then I go to West Tigers, who have just been start, just started. I think Wayne Pearce had them the year before. I went over and got them. Our, our club already had people involved with every everywhere. Yeah. Especially a good reserve grade team and that. And West Tigers have Balmain and Western Suburbs. And it was just, you know, just, oh, mate, I don't think I was good enough to, to coach there. That, that's fine. You know, I was I a was reserve grade coach and that was it. How do you, um, and you you coach one of the greats in my eyes, um, Papawati. Yeah, Hobo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. He should have known better for. He should be a urologist. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> um, Some dude with your finger no, on your prostate. Yeah, no, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had it. I've had it checked too. Uh, uh, me and Jack got something in common. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one, one of my best mates, and you know him, um, Martin Haywood, who played New South Wales, and um, yes. he, got, he got a letter in the. In the Post when I was living with him saying you should get your prostate checked, and he went four times in a row. And the girl said, the Doctor said, I think you think you're okay, Martin. No need to come back again. Two weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Moose. Oh, oh, he's the best. <laughs> On coaching, Jack, I'm going to ask you about that because you're a guy um, when you played, you you were, you were so passionate. Um, you, you're you're a blue through and through. Um, when you coached, and then you you do all the preparation, you send the team out. You got to sit back. How they do well? How do you find that? It would, oh, that, that would done your head it was in for a, sure. It was, yeah. a, it was a nightmare. Uh, yeah. Well, Greg Chapel was coaching at the time, South Australia, and he he asked me when we were in Adelaide. He, he said, "Do you find yourself going to sleep at three thirty and on the afternoon? Because you ride every ball, yeah, yep. and you're in bed by mm. seven thirty at night. You know, unless I'm in." In with you blokes and I'm going <laughs> yeah. at 25 seconds. I can't see that. When we got into serious trouble. <clears throat> so, yeah, you do. And it really, <clears throat> excuse me, um, it really uh, made me uh, made me struggle when, uh, when, when I couldn't do anything about it after yeah. taking them out there. But in saying that, um, the way we prepared teams in those days um, was we had so many internationals out of the in and out of the team. You guys, when you first came in, you didn't have the, the luxury of playing with the with the the likes of the the test players yes. all the time. Um, and Bob Simpson was probably the guru, you know, and, yeah, and made him. sure we had a good fielding yep. team. And then taken over by probably the best coach I had was Steve Rickson, you know. Yeah, Steve was a genius. Who, uh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's a genius and, and his formula always worked, you know, kept everybody on, on their toes. But, um, yeah, yeah, no, very tiring, Shane. <laughs> well, be, I understand what you're, you're dealing with some pretty juvenile kids, <laughs> me included, sometimes. Yeah. Um, Terry, I just want to ask you, um, so 350 games, what, what motivated you in the end? What, what, what kept what kept you up to, to keep coming back and showing up day in, day out, do you think? If you had well, to pick one you thing. you got to remember when I started in, in 
1980 at Western Suburbs and I go to Canterbury and win a grand final. That That's what made me, me go. Yeah. Um, I never won a grand final when I was a junior. Okay. So I, I come to Canterbury and win Love a grand that. final in 84. Mm. And then um, in the 90s, virtually we had a full team leave the club. They went to Western Suburbs, Manly, you know, all the, you know, Dim Dimmick and all that went to West. Sorry, Joey Thomas, uh, Langmack. Uh, Peter Kelly and that went to Penrith. And, yeah, so we had probably 12 players leave and all these young kids come through with mm. Jimmy Dimmick, uh, Darren Britt, um, Jason Smith, Dean Pay, all these kids coming through. So that was, um, say, 91. And uh, they won the comp that year in under 23. So Bullfrog said, we'll get rid of the the older players and we'll look after these kids and we won a comp in four years. Fantastic. So, so 91... 93, we won the minor premiers. 94, we won the, uh, lost the grand final against Canberra. And 95, we won the comp against Manly. Yeah. Um, so um, the, the young kids keep me going. Yeah. What, what was your driver, Jack? What, what motivated you to, to get up those early winter mornings to do the, the pre-seasons? Yeah, mate. I, I, well, I just wanted to prove that I could do it at that level. Okay. You know, when I first came in in 1978, 79, World Series was on. So, you know, and to get into the New South Wales team, it was really difficult. You know, yeah, I took was. Peter to his place. Alan Border was in the team. He played the next test match. I was debuted in Melbourne. Only got a taste of it. Two games, then out. Then I in eighty one I played one game. I got and nice. I was making eight, nine hundred runs a year. Yeah. Then I got um, then I got one game against New Zealand. I got one bat because Rick McCosker and Trevor Chappell made 150 each against the Kiwis. <laughs> so I got a little bat in the second innings yeah. and got twenty odd not out. And then Tassie rang up and I went down there. Didn't do that great for them. Uh, Came back when Daiso and uh, yep. um, Smithy went off to the South Africa and Rick retired and uh, that's when Taylor and I formed our little partnership and we've equal Bradman and Kipax yeah. with the 12, uh, 11 century stands. Yeah. Amazing, mate. I ask every guest that comes on lunch with the same question. I ask you first, Terry. Um, a young boy or girl wants to become a professional sportsman or a rugby league player. What advice would you give them? Patience. Patience, don't, yeah. yeah, don't run in. I've got a nephew that's playing for the um, Sydney Roosters up Central Coast, and yep. he just wants to be a rugby league player. Yep. Um, but your patience. Um, don't drink, don't smoke. Yeah. Give yourself a chance. Give your body a chance yeah. to be the best you can. And if that doesn't work out, then go and have a drink in that later on. Because I'm a, we're all big drink, drinking. We're all, be, we're all big drinkers. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's um, it's a lot of fun. But you know, when you're younger and trying to work out, do you, do you think you, you you might have won six premierships if you didn't drink? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I have to think about that myself. Like, if we different, but I don't know. It's different times and yeah. and and made us relax and whatever. But uh, everybody it's hard to everybody say. could be a better player. And yeah. you, you know, I used to have. Um, I used to get half drunk on Saturday night before a game, and of course okay. I couldn't sleep. Okay. And of course, I'd be all up all night thinking about the game, thinking about games. So I started drinking, you know, half a bottle of vodka, things like yeah. that, and um, I'd have a good sleep and get up and uh, have a go. Yeah, the match every time. Jack, a <laughs> uh, young boy or girl wants to go into the world of cricket. What advice mm. would you give them? Oh, make sure you've got a good balance. So you balance in your in your um, school. Um, you know, your other hobbies, make sure you have hobbies outside cricket. Maybe you might, might play another sport or you mm-hmm. might do something else. And and just keep it nice and level because, you know, get yourself a career behind it and, yeah. and you'll enjoy your sport a lot more. I think when you throw all your eggs in the one basket, 
it can be um, pretty harrowing and, uh, you know, it plays with your head a little bit. So, um, yeah, keep it nice and balanced and have a lot of fun. Well, I want to thank you both for coming on lunch with Lee. I, I know you too. We're here at uh, Canterbury Leagues Club. We're in the heart of, of Bulldog Territory, which is that's why I wore the blue shirt. I didn't uh, want to be single. Yeah, no, well nice. done, um, impressive. And, and I remember, Jack, uh, flying in. We were coming back from a match in South Australia. As we were flying in over Sydney, you said, hey, look down there. And you pointed at all those houses. You said, Shane, you represent every one of those. I yes. still remember that. Oh, and yeah. Um, yeah, pretty special. You're a legend of a bloke. Love you, Jack. Thanks, and, and Terry, mate, you. you're one of the greatest. Thank you very much. Thanks for your time, Thank you. Thank you. Well done. Thanks, Jack. That's it for Lunch with Lee this week. A big thank you goes out to our guests, Steve Small and Terry Lamb. Thanks to Canterbury Leagues for having us here today. And thank you to our sponsors, Barclay Pierce Capital, Elite Bet and O'Brien Beer. Make sure you hit follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. And do us a favour, hit five stars. If you're passionate, please leave a review. And come check us out on Instagram at I'm at Lunch with Lee. Our official Lunch with Lee photography was done by Felicity Kelly. You can find her on Instagram at Felicity Kelly Portraits. And once again, thanks to our producer, Dan McHugh. We'll be back soon to talk with some more legends about sport, music and business on another cracking episode of Lunch with Lee. We'll see you then. Do, do.